Good evening. It's Wednesday and it's time for Pop and Politics. We are talking about the latest in hot topics, news, and entertainment. I'm KJ and let me introduce you to my co-host. Of course, we have Shelly E, Yana, T, Colleen, and also joining us tonight is Maverine. How's everybody doing? Hey there. Good. Oh, good. Good. Well, thank good. you for joining us, Maverine. Thank you for having me. Yes, always excited to have you join us. So it's going to be a very uh, uh, vibrant and lively discussion. So uh, as I always say, join the conversation by leaving a comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We will check the comments periodically throughout the show. And don't just comment, subscribe. Subscribe to our social media so you always know when we post new content. Uh, also, you know we are an independent media. And if you want to support what we do, donate. Uh, any amount is appreciated. You can check us out at our website, www.metroconservativemedia.com for up-to-date information. Again, we are a necessary voice in news and entertainment. All right, ladies, let's set it off. So we are going to get right into it tonight. Tonight, we're starting off talking about the state of the Maryland GOP, mm. All right, uh, state of the Maryland Republican Party. So with Dan Cox's triumphant victory as the GOP gubernatorial winner last week, uh, beating out Hogan, endorsed candidate Kelly Schultz. Uh, it's been a kind of whirlwind uh, over the last, actually last couple of months, but really within the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I want to get into that. Uh, I want to talk to you ladies and ask, is he electable in the general election? Uh, then I want to get into what we've seen over the last week or so, the warring factions within uh, that we're seeing within the uh, state Republican Party. So I want to talk about... Uh, about that dynamic and get your guys' thoughts on that as well. So um, again, as I mentioned, with this win, you think the party would come together behind Dan Cox and support him in his race against Democrat Wes Moore. Nope. Au contraire, mon frère. <laughs> Instead, Governor Hogan came out and said he would not support Dan Cox in his bid uh, in an interview on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos, Hogan told host Jonathan Carl that Trump-backed state delegate Dan Cox's win over Hogan's preferred candidate in the July 19 primary was a win for the Democrats. Uh, he says, it's a big loss for the Republican Party, and we have no chance of saving that governor's seat. Uh, he has gone on to say he will not support Dan Cox in the general election. So I want to get right into it. I want to start with you, Maverine, tonight. What are your thoughts on all of this? So I want to address uh, Governor Hogan's comments first because we know that words have power. And I want to clearly say that we reject what he said. And his condemning Maryland to a Democrat monopoly is what I read in one tabloid or one piece of paper um, is rejected resoundedly. We will not be a state of a Democrat majority. Um, and then I want to say that for the GOP, which stands for Grand Old Party, we are not grand here in Maryland, and we are our own worst enemies from within the party at the highest levels. 
All right. And I want to, um, before we go on to you, uh, uh, Shelly, I want to get, I want to just get a, a do a, a, a uh, get a, a, a poll test, if you, if you will. Are we all supporting Dan Cox? We're all Republicans here. Are we all supporting Dan Cox in the general election? Absolutely. Yes. He is our nominee. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. I just wanted to confirm that. I figured yeah. you know, and, and we, we all are. So um, I just wanted to confirm that. I want to go right to you, Shelly. What are your Me? thoughts on this? Hi. Yes. Well, you know, last week, again, we talked about Governor Hogan, but I just want to say this, at least in Maryland and probably nationally, the Republican Party is having a temper tantrum. And maybe some of that is necessary to work out. But what do you normally do when kids have temper tantrums? If you are a good parent like me, you ignore them. You leave them there until they get up and tire themselves out. You don't cave into the to the temper tantrum. Uh, Governor Hogan should be ashamed of himself. Uh, I, I really, it's really outrageous how he's acting and displaying his character. What he is really saying is that hey. I'm the only one other than Bob Ehrlich. I'm the only one that could have held that seat and Kelly Schultz. And now that it hasn't happened, there's no luck for Maryland. So again, I think he's thumbing his nose at the Republicans in Maryland, the party that he's supposed to be the leader of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we go to you, Yana, I want to um, post this, this uh, what happened here as far as um, we have um, Monica Smearman, who actually ran for uh Republican Congress congressperson in, in Anne Arundel County. Uh, she's a registered Republican. And take a look at what her comments were as a result of this election. Uh, so if you guys can see that, she basically says that she, too, is not supporting uh, Dan Cox. She also mentions that she's not supporting Wes Moore. Uh, she's supporting the Libertarian candidate uh, that is running for office there. Uh, so she actually makes some really stunning comments. She uh, says that it's the choice between fascists on the right and uh, socialists on the left. Uh, so I want to go right into your you, uh, Yana. What are your what are your thoughts on this as a Republican uh, in Maryland? What are your thoughts on what's going on within the party and the uh, race? Well, I think it's very disrespectful what these other Republicans are saying. It's really disrespectful to the voters of Maryland. Uh, Hogan said, I don't think, he he said he didn't think that uh, Dan Cox had any business being the nominee. Uh, Like, it's the voters' choice. It's not the establishment's choice. And uh, Monica, she's just out there. Uh, she, uh, She sounds a lot like the far left plant every time she speaks mm-hmm. you know when she uh calls uh, the republican party and people who voted for uh someone like dan cox uh fascists i mean it sounds she sounds like a very far left person to me that's what they're calling us um and uh i think well in terms of whether he is electable uh, when Trump was running, people were saying that he is, it was not electable. So uh, we'll see based on people who live in Maryland. And I think that Republicans in general want someone who is decisive, who is going to take steps, who actually believes in what he's saying and is not just talking, uh, is actually doing something. So I think that hopefully... Uh, Republicans in Maryland will vote for him. Mm-hmm. All right. 
I want to move on to you, T. What are your thoughts on this uh, this dynamic we're seeing within the Republican Party, and then also uh, with 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 Dan Cox's win? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, my preference was Dan Cox as well, um, even before the primary. But I just had Hogan. He's He's been questionable anyway as a Republican. He's been the ops as well because we can't really what side he's on administration. You can't really tell what side he's on. So I don't think he's been sticking to the Republican principles anyway. But um, he's he doesn't have a say over this. And this is what is going to if we're going to bring division into these uh, the gubernatorial race. The Westmore is going to be our next governor. There's no right, other, um, other way to say that. Good point. I'm going to move on to you, Colleen, as far as this is concerned. And I always say you are the newest addition to the Republican Party. Uh, you just you changed parties during the pandemic. You were uh, a Democrat for many years uh, and changed over to the Republican Party. What are your thoughts? Because you bring an interesting perspective on this. As far as the division, as far as uh, Hogan not supporting Dan Cox as the nominee. Yeah. So when I was a Democrat, I did like Hogan for obvious reasons. He was very moderate, had very progressive policies. So I was thought he was great. And then as the, um, you know, as COVID went on and I didn't agree with a lot of his policies and stuff and a lot of the masking and everything, but um, I think that the Maryland GOP is ready for change. I think that the the voters, I mean, if you look at the, the numbers, I think that we're ready for change. And I think it's crazy that Governor Hogan is really going to sit here and get all pissed off that his candidate didn't win. But um, Baltimore is worse off, I believe, after the eight years of Hogan. So I don't think we're really ready for a Hogan, too. Um I don't think he really gets that. I mean, he's just as bad as like Governor Newsom, honestly, in my opinion, with not as bad as him, but like in terms of like cockiness of like not realizing why y'all didn't win because we don't like the way you run Maryland and we don't need Kelly doing the same thing. All right. I want to get into the actual dynamics that we've seen uh, within the Maryland GOP. Uh, so, it's gotten pretty nasty uh, throughout this primary season. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, Maverine, as far as the different factions within the Maryland GOP. You, who is running as a candidate, what are you? What's your perspective there? So uh, let me just say that it is. Um, there's this old adage we used to say growing up that the devil you see is better than the devil you don't see. Inside of the Maryland GOP. And again, I'm going to purposefully remind us that that acronym is from what they called the grand old party. And we are no, no longer grand in this state. There are factions that are almost, um, they're almost as, as vitriolic as the factions between conservative Republicans and far left progressives like AOC. And as a candidate who isn't a part of the elite Republican establishment, I walked in almost, I think, naively expecting that we understand how important this election is for our state and we would all come together. Like, yes, we compete in the primary, but don't 
beat each other up so much that we give the Democrats ammunition in November. Rather, what I found is almost to a one, every event was split down the middle so that we weren't really finding ways to talk to one another and find the synergies so that we'd be stronger against the Democrat Party. We had just, or they had just staked out their camps and there was no crossing the line. I do wanna also address another thing. If the Republicans can figure out how to stay on message, there's no way that Dan Cox would lose. Stay on message because we are going up against some things that are ridiculously anti-American, anti-family, anti-freedom of economy and free enterprise that I would have to say, Boo Boo the Fool would be able to articulate and stick to message and just pound the Democrats with month after month until November comes. That's going to be the key for us. All right. I want to um, actually respond to a comment that was just posted, and then, and it also um, mentioned something you mentioned. You mentioned uh, Maverine. She, uh, Tina says, "I think people just like to complain. Cox is going to lose by double digits, and these same people will act shocked." So um, I think what you said, Maverine, really speaks or responds to uh, Tina's comment. Thank you for commenting, Tina. Um, if Dan stays on message. We win. We win. Um, because I believe that across the aisle, people don't like the mandates, don't like the CRT being pushed in our schools, don't like the gender ideology and sexualization of our children being pushed in schools. And these are all issues that Dan Cox ran on. I want to get your thoughts on that, Shelley. Um, to um to speak to that do you believe yeah. he's going to lose in double digits no i don't believe he's going to lose in double digits but you're right the issues and staying on topic that's what's key here generally speaking across the board when republicans stay on topic with their platform the economy education crime bringing the resource like you said bringing the information and uh, solutions if you will to these perennial problems particularly in cities like baltimore and large cities across the country we win you know why because people by and large are not dumb they tend to vote their pocketbook and republicans have solutions for that they vote their pocketbook pocketbook so that they can live out the rest of their lives they don't want their children inundated and sexualized at three and five Five, seven years old. That's not what they want. They don't want people coming into their schools and in their homes, God forbid, telling them how to raise their children. They want to be able to work, to live and raise their families, to have relatively safe communities, jobs, a good schools, and just live their lives, just be decent citizens. That's what they want. So we need to stay on top. The second point I want to make is that when I said the Republican Party is having a temper tantrum, this is my uh, my point to that. My point is, is this. We in the Republican Party are no different in the sense that we have elitists in our parties and we have some of what people call, you know, the, the base, you know, just the regular base, uh, base Republicans, the the elite, the established Repu establishment Republicans think that they own the right to the rest of us and they don't. Yes. yes. All right. 
I want to get your thoughts on that, Yana. Um, I'm, you know, we've been talking about and we've seen just on social media over the last couple of, of months, the different factions within the party. I mean, um, you know, Rhino has been called, thrown at everybody <laughs> uh, from left to right. And then you had people who were upset with uh, the win of, of, of Dan. Um, it, it's gotten pretty nasty. What are your thoughts on, on just the, the dynamics within the party? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that it's happening, but at the same time, I also think that the people like Hogan and like Smearman, they're going to be surprised that majority, in my opinion, I think majority of Republicans are actually more conservative than someone like Smearman. Mm -hmm. So I think that... Um, people can't uh, Republicans can come together against this clan. It almost like it seems to me they're like like a clan and they're afraid that they're gonna lose power. When I saw Hogan speak, it's like he's scared that you know there's a there's a new you know group coming together and to take mm -hmm. over his hegemony. Uh, and uh, they I'm not sure he I'm not sure that's the thinking. It, to me there's this thinking that the the, the wing of the party of like Dan Cox and, 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 and things like that are not relatable to the rest of Maryland. So they cannot bring independence because remember we're entering a general election. Now Republicans we're gonna try you know generally try to to bring over. This is independence. Um uh this these are people who are, are in between and we have to get them to vote for him over West Moore. KJ, I, I just have to push back on that. I do think that some part of it is the establishment not wanting to lose their power. Um, and then there is the element, again, that if we stay on message, the independents can lift the Republicans to a win, as well as the Democrats, right? Because in the general election, there isn't that same limitation with the closed primary. So focusing on those things that have more to do with family safety, parental rights, as you said, good education, being able to take care of families, dealing with the issues of rising crime, that guys is no longer just in the city. Places like Columbia and Howard County are experiencing it at record levels and dealing with Democrat leaders who are hiding crimes, placating criminals, and running the same jacked up community structures that Joe Biden is running from the White House. Right. Stick to message and we will win this in a landslide. It's called snobbery, basically. It's just snobbery. Well let me let me push back on that a little bit because I want to I want to bring bring this to you guys' attention. I'm not sure if you saw so on July 23rd, and I know Dan Cox is not President Trump, but they are, you know, part they do represent part of the party and a, a faction of the party. So on July 23rd, Trump took to the stage at Turning Point USA's annual student action summit. Uh, I was in Florida where he again proceeded to mock January 6th committee, um, calling Liz Cheney, all kinds of names. Uh, he also talked about, uh, you know, um, the, 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 the steal, the, the election steal. He gave a shout out to Doug Mastriano, who was running in Pennsylvania. And also he um, he called Matt Gates, who we know is under investigation for um, 
alleged involvement in child sex trafficking, a great guy and a tough guy and our friend. Um, at the same conference, Gates um, made a lot of comments about women, um, you know, who were, he says, the women with least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortion. Uh, so, you know, we have this, this kind of perpetual, you know, this has been a, a part of, of our party, I would say, since Trump has entered office. Um, so then you, 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 you put this next to Pence, who is kind of like an establishment guy. Uh, he put, yesterday was in D.C., spoke to a crowd of students also uh, at the Young Americans Foundation National Conservative Student Conference. He affirmed his commitment to being a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. He also outlined a new platform for the future of the conservative movement, Freedom Agenda, which he had met to unveil at the Heritage Foundation. He says, God must have different plans for today, he said. In fact, he must have decided that a talk about the future, a talk about an agenda for the future should be given to the rising generation. So when I saw that, I saw, I, I, I heard, watched both speeches. To me, they both represented two factions of the party. There is one part that is very mean-spirited, calling names, um, aggressive, and some of us like that. But is that going to win elections and win a general election for independence? No. That, that, no was Trump, that was Trump's style. And that's what won him the election. However, like we're saying, Dan Cox is not Trump. And right. I don't think with Maryland, we have different types of constituents. So we need to be able to be um, relatable to those constituents and not go off of message, like we're saying. Well, can I also say that Dan Cox has to be super careful because Maryland is such a battleground state. They lost Virginia. So if they had a Maryland governor and a Virginia governor, and it's looking like PA has Doug Mastriano running for the GOP seat, I mean, could you imagine that? So they really are going to do whatever they can to smear the crap out of Dan in the next few months. I'm ready for these hit pieces to come out. I'm waiting for some for him to have some event, and then somebody shows up with a perfectly unfolded Nazi flag outside, and then they're like, oh, look. You know, it's just every time and, and every time there's some stupid idiot voters that actually still believe it that are like, oh, my God, he, well, we, you know, it's like it just all it takes is like one stupid report like that to lose like 10 votes. You know what I mean? I mean, or even more than that. It really just depends. I really don't I don't even know where people's minds are at this time. Like we'll see. Both, both sides have radicals. And I think this is where people get confused because they judge them the actual party by what's going on with the radicals and the people that we're talking that you're talking about Colleen those are the radicals and but I mean unfortunately that's who they see they see white men races that are holding up Nazi flags and you know that's type of thing when that's not the majority of the party and I think I we have to as the I like T I don't believe that anybody who shows up outside of a Republican event today with a Nazi flag is is there that's for you any though being I'm saying I don't as believe a, as a Democrat, you probably thought that. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, you and know what? So, Funny, even wait, as let a me finish my point first. Let me finish my point. And so I'm saying we have to, as as the Republicans who 
who are supporting Dan Cox and all the other people, we have to be the ones to put that message out there. Like, hey, this is the Republican Party. This is us. And I think we need the um, support from the Republican Party to do that. Right. right. That's the thing. It's going to be grassroots because what Dan Cox and his campaign can't do on their own is speak to the people in the places where we go and the people who will hear from us. And if we become, if nothing else, a proxy campaign for what the Republican Party stands for, not necessarily, and I'm going to say this and be frank about it, we don't need to become a Dan Cox cheerleader because this is bigger than Dan Cox. This is about where our state goes and what happens to our children and families if Wes Moore is elected. This is about legislation that's sitting on the tables waiting for the um, Democrat-led House and uh, legislature in Annapolis to return and force things down the throats of parents and children and families that will completely eviscerate everything that we know is foundationally necessary. So we have to become their proxy and help them stay on message. Yeah, I totally agree. Exactly. Yep. One thing I want to KJ, one thing I want to follow up with is that, yes, Mavereen T, you're right. We have a role to play. And like you said, we, in spaces where Dan Cox may never even think about going, we can also speak those messages. But I think we're also forgetting that the media is not even on our side. So they're going to caricature us, us any way they can, no matter what. In Maryland, nationally, wherever, the media is not on our side. They, do, they have an agenda that they are hell-bent on getting in place. Yeah, I totally agree there. So um, I think we're all on the same uh, wavelength here. Um, you know, best that, like you said, we stick to the issues. Uh, I do believe that uh, that Dan's agenda is is what will move Maryland forward. Uh, so we just have to get that out front and not all of the nonsense. Exactly. Uh, so again, um, this is the future and we have to talk about the future, talk about the plans, talk about the solutions uh, that his administration would have and, and just really push forward with that. So um, we've got a lot of comments. I mean, my goodness, the comment section is really uh, buzzing. So I want to go uh, to some of these. So let's see here. Uh, okay. So Tina, again, she says, I think VA gave them the blueprint, but they don't want it. B-A-G-O-P cleaned up. And trust me, they were super dysfunctional a few years ago. Absolutely. I said that last week. Um, if we follow the blueprint of, of, of what Youngkin and Winsome Sears uh, did in Virginia, it would be an, a landslide victory. And again, they were the parents, the parents oh, who pushed them forward. Uh, again, sticking to the issues. And, 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 and making people realize this, we'll talk a little later on this in this segment, that this is a really important time, especially for our children. I mean, this election here in Maryland is going to have a, an effect in, for us in de over decades. Uh, so, you know, this is a very important election. We must get Dan Cox and his administration over the finish line uh, because it, it, it's going to be, I think it's really going to affect our, our, our state if we have a Westmore in, in the office. And, and I just want to comment also, I just thought of it, that like someone like Hogan and that lady, Monica, 
they're like Democrat agents. Like the fact mm-hmm. that they're saying, let go ahead and vote for a third party, some kind of unknown person, they're actually making, you know, they want uh, Wes Moore to to win. So it's like they're literally acting like the agents of the Democrat Party. So we should not worry about them too much. They're really, you know, they have some crazy agenda of their own. And I think like Mavarine said, we should just focus on the issues and keep educating people what is important for Maryland. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we do have to move on. Um, so again, please continue the conversation um, by commenting. Share this Share this broadcast. If you're watching on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, Please share this on your on your timeline. Send it uh, in a message to your uh, your Facebook or your YouTube uh, friends uh, and share uh, because we definitely want to get this message out and about uh, and, and we want people to join. Even people who don't agree with us, we love it. So if you have Democrat friends or uh, friends on the left uh, or even on the right uh, that uh, have contrary opinions. Please have them join the conversation. We would love to to talk about it and and get the different perspectives. All right. And again, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed by now, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to our social media. uh, Hit that notification bell. So every time we do post new content, you are alerted to what we are are talking about. Again, check us out on our website at www.metroconservativemedia.com. For up-to-date information, we are a necessary voice in news and entertainment. All right, so we are moving right along. Again, this is the last Wednesday of the month. So you guys know what happens on the last Wednesday of the month. We have Tyrone Keyes. So Tyrone, uh, yes, he is joining us uh, from Soldiers of Finance. So you can find him on YouTube under Soldiers of Finance for all your finance and economic uh, information. Uh, and so he's here with us tonight. How are you doing t- tonight, Tyrone? I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Hi, Tyrone. Oh, hey, we are we're doing well. We're good doing to see well. you. Yes, good it is. All right. So um, we want to talk about the recession. Tomorrow is the big day. Uh, as we know, the numbers apparently what people have been waiting for come out. Uh, to actually say if we are in a recession. Um, I want to start with with the basics with you. What is a recession? Okay, that's a good question because that's the debate now. Uh, Since 1974, when uh, an economist by the name of Julius Shishkin, he came out and said, recession, two consecutive quarters, six months straight of negative GDP growth. Now, there's this organization called the uh, National Bureau of uh, Economic Research. They get into the weeds, and they always have. However, since 1974, and you can go back and look at charts of the S&P 500, certain portions of the charts are grayed out. And that gray vertical line corresponds to recessions. And if you go back, you can see that each of those periods corresponds to two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth at the start. So one one thing I want to, because Yellen, uh, who is the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen for the Biden administration, says that signs of a U.S. recession aren't in sight. 
when you're creating almost 400,000 jobs per month. So what is your response to that? That's another good point. She is not telling you the whole truth. In fact, a word that a lot of people should become familiar with is not only recession, but stagflation. Now, mm -hmm. stagflation is a period of uh, high unemployment, negative GDP, and rising uh not well rising interest rates we're in that um we're in that mode but high unemployment uh combined with low gdp and you get into a uh, stagflationary environment and if you look at the jobs numbers they came out and they said that this is so important i'm glad you asked that question because the media will feed you what's called the U3 unemployment rate. Everybody with an internet connection can go to bls.gov, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They can pull down that unemployment report for June, and they will see that the U6 rate is a larger measure, a more accurate measure. It's one that most serious economists pay attention to. That figure is at 7.1%. And on top of that, if you look at the number that they're popularly reporting, the U3, with the 362,000 jobs created, 33% of those jobs are second jobs. So Americans, more American, that figure is up month over month and year over year. More Americans are finding it more difficult to make ends meet. You, th This is why I say you cannot turn on CNBC or Fox Business or, uh, God forbid, one of the local stations and think you're going to get the whole story about what's going on in the economy. All right. Um, I want to go to you, uh, uh, Shelly. What's your comment? Or, or question? So, Tyrone, I just have, look, this is my question. As much as the media points out and the government, we know the government can lie, they can be useful sometimes. How does the average American know when to trust what they're hearing? I think that the, the one thing that the government does is they publish the numbers. Americans have to get comfortable with actually reading uh, because the information is out there. Um, and Americans by and large don't want, they just, they rather do something like um, go to a sports event than read about what's actually going on in their economy. But the government puts out the data. They just know that most people are not going to avail themselves of it. All right. Uh, so I they say follow the money. So that, that's really what it is. It's not even about following the news or a person or your pastor. It's follow the money. Know, figure out what's going on in the future of what's going on you know this might sound cynical t but i've learned that almost every event uh in this world can be traced to its root it's somewhere in money absolutely yeah i, I want to um, open it up to uh you uh yana what's your question well, I wonder, uh, Tyrone, uh, since, well, if, if we're in the recession and everybody's talking about whether it's going to get worse or not, do you think it's things are going to get worse? I know that I just came from uh, Europe and people in Europe are freaking out. They think that uh, they're heading uh, for a very cold winter and possibly not enough food. 
So is it going to get worse? Are we heading to depression possibly in America as well? Well, I think things are going to get different. Uh, it will depend on how much economic literacy you've amassed, a per, an individual has amassed over time here in America. Now, I know you guys all remember when Trump spoke before the UN and he told Germany specifically that they were too reliant on Russia in the Nord Stream 1 for their energy. And they laughed at him. We yeah. actually did a video the other day where we showed you that. They, laugh. they are not laughing now. Mm -hmm. uh, they're actually telling the Germans, and Yana, you're aware of this, they're telling the Germans that they probably will need to start chopping firewood. So mm -hmm. they're going back to like the 16th century this winter. Well, they're telling them to wear warm clothes and you know, to have socks, you know, wool socks and they, stuff for the winter. They, this is the most financially... Uh, that this is the most financially powerful uh, government in Europe. They're technologically advanced, but their ideology, Germany's green, green ideology is just, we're not there yet. I'm an environmentalist. I grow food. I, you know, I care for animals. We're not there yet. Mm -hmm. We're just not there yet. Yeah. Germany's really screwing up. I mean, because I have family over there. So we used to go and visit all the time. And then obviously since COVID, we, been in a long time but um so it's really like when i went there last it was so nice and clean and it's just like not like that anymore so it's very different it's just a very different nation joining the yeah. EU is really stupid and um now they're the country is not better for it so yeah. well, uh, Tyrone, how are the wealthy responding in this environment versus other classes can you talk about yeah. that You've given me an opportunity for a shameless uh, plug for the Soldiers of Finance channel. Go on YouTube and just type that into the search bar and subscribe. We actually did a, a video the yesterday mm -hmm. uh, that, the, to answer your question, the wealthy and those that are probably going to be wealthy, those that are positioning themselves to be wealthy, they are purchasing assets because they are at a discount. I was on a thread, I was just reading through a thread last night where the, uh, the news article said the Walton family had lost over a billion dollars when the Walmart stock dipped a few days ago. Everybody on this thread was gleeful, they were laughing. And mind you, the, the Waltons are still filthy rich. But I'm like, do, do you guys understand that Walmart is probably in your mutual fund? Do you guys understand that it's on sale? You will run into a Walmart and buy some cheap piece of material made in China because you think it's on sale. Now the very company is on sale and you're, you, you find it hilarious. Mm -hmm. So the investing psychology in this country is all over the place. It's well, that, goes, that speaks to how we are conditioned to, uh, to, to be against each other based on our economic class. So you have the, the left, I have to say the Democrats push this, like people like Elizabeth Warren, where, you know, this is, they created this environment where you see something like this happen and the middle class or, 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 or less wealthy people laugh, but they don't realize everything is intertwined and we're all affected by this. Um, no, no. Yeah, and, and that needs to be talked instead of us warring against each other, we all need to actually understand, like you mentioned, how we all how this all intertwines, how are we all affected? 
uh, by, by these by this, this these economic uh, things that go on. And that leads me to a question. That my next question, Tyrone, the the people that have limited resources and that don't have the opportunities to buy assets and create assets or um, create incomes. What, how can they do, what can they do to prepare for whatever is coming? Okay. Um, first part of the question, if you've got $5, you can buy shares in anything that's on the S and P 500, because a lot of the brokerages now offer the opportunity to purchase fractional shares. So if let's just say ABC company is going for $100 a share, you can actually buy a share of that company. You can buy a, a 5% of a share for five. Can we trust the, the stock market? Because it's volatile. It's been quite volatile because that's you want And that volatility is actually your friend because yeah. you don't that's want you the market to just go on a steady, you know, incline because it will become unaffordable for you to get in. So mm -hmm. these dips occur and they're buying opportunities. And, mm -hmm. you know, but the, again, the investing psychology of most Americans is reversed. They'll yeah. go into some place that says sale and they'll run in there and buy a whole bunch of stuff they didn't need. But when the, when assets like stock market go on sale, they, they want to back away from that. You know, they want to, they want to sell high. I'm sorry, sell low and purchase right. high. So Tyrone, let me ask about more immediate, more liquid assets, because the volatility of the stock market is our friend, but that's long-term, right? You don't jump in and out. You just let it ride out right. and do what you need to do. But with what we're hearing and seeing around the world and in other nations, if we look at what's happened in Indonesia, what's already been happening in Venezuela, if those things are going to meet us on the American shores, what can middle and lower class people do to have liquid access to things, particularly when we talked a little bit about the overprinting of the dollar mm -hmm. and how we might end up spending $100 for you know, a pack of rice, what might be done in that way? Well, I because the dollar is in such a precarious position, and I believe, and I say this on my channel all the time, that by 2035, the mid 2030s, the dollar will slip below the 50% mark of world reserve currency. So right now, 59% of the uh, world reserves are held in dollars. I believe that's going to slip below 50% by the mid-2030s. And when that happens, you're going to see tax increases to try to make up for that. You're going to see a um, contraction of services, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, that kind of thing. So holding dollars for a long period of time is not a good idea because mm -hmm. the dollar is losing value due to $30 trillion in debt and rising. We've weaponized the dollar. People are trying to create other reserve currencies. So one thing that I would highly recommend, and this isn't monetary, but this is your number one asset, your hands, physicality, your, oh, I see, I see. your, your body. Um, your mind, your spirituality, those are your number one assets. Without those, you can't do anything. So I encourage people- Health as well. <laughs> in your health, you've got to eat. So if you've got one of these lawns, unless you got a hundred recipes for grass, you should start planting something. And you should teach yourself 
about agriculture. Um, if you don't have that, if you live in an apartment or you live in a townhouse, there are plenty of community gardens that will allow you to grow food. Um, and then you should partner. You should start finding partners in your community that are like-minded. The first thing you have to do is to be able to eat. And then as far as financial assets, hard assets like real estate, okay, are always going to, when the dollar demise happens, there will still be value. It may not necessarily be value in dollars. So real estate, certain commodities like gold and silver, um, these are all things that you have to do your due diligence on. And also companies, okay? A, a company like I'll mention Raytheon, they build real things that have a value. So being an owner in that company is, you know, something that, especially in this climate, Raytheon's a defense contractor, um, especially in, the, in a more dangerous world that has liquidity, which real estate typically doesn't, um, real estate has value, and it also has a value of living in it. Um, but the dollar is not something you want to uh, hold on to long term. You got to you gotta make sure your dollar is getting up in the morning and going to work. Okay. All right. Well, all good advice, great advice uh, for us. And I know you always talk about agriculture, learning to grow things, and, and that always sticks with me. Um, so I need to do that. Cause yeah. I, I actually have to say that traveling to, I went to Belarus and people are talking about it there too. Uh, people all having land. And actually that's how uh, people survived over there during the Soviet times is that everyone was growing something. That's how we were able to um, have extra food that the stores didn't have. Yeah, absolutely. So again, this is Tyrone Keys of Soldiers of Finance. You can find him on YouTube. You would just do a search for Soldiers of Finance. Awesome videos. They're not only informative, but they're entertaining too to watch. Uh, so again, I always say, Tyrone, you are a wealth of knowledge. I can't wait to have you back uh, next month. Again, he is here every uh, the last Wednesday of every month with us. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. And yes, I do talk with my hands. I caught that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Thank you. All right. Uh, so again, we are moving right along. Uh, join the conversation by leaving a comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We will check the comments periodically throughout the show. And again, don't just comment. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe to our social media so you always know when we post new content. Uh, check us out on our website at www.metroconservativemedia.com for up-to-date information. Again, we are a necessary voice in news and entertainment. All right, so we are moving right along. I saw here a comment. I, I saw it flash off, but I flash up, but I can't find it on here now. Someone said there's seven of us uh, on here. I think General Savage said that. So, yes, we had a packed house tonight. I love it. So, um, again, if you like us, you know, with seven of us on here, or actually six right now, comment about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, more the merrier. All right. So we're moving on right along to our next topic of the night. 
which we kind of uh, touched on this a little bit in our first uh, topic, uh, the assistant health secretary. So uh, she came out, uh, uh, Rachel Levine, Admiral Rachel Levine, the assistant health secretary, came out this week and basically talked about puberty blockers. Uh, uh, The secretary said we should empower kids with puberty blockers, sex reassignment surgery. Uh, She uh, she says here she joined Andrea Mitchell to discuss the politically motivated attacks through state actions. This is what what the secretary said (laughs) against transgender youth and what could be done to support the mental health of this vulnerable community. So I want to get you guys' comments on this. Uh, We have the clip. Take a look at this. You're the first openly transgender official confirmed by the United States Senate. In a recent op-ed, you urge people to base medical decisions and public statements on real data and compassion rather than slander. And you spoke to trans youth in Florida recently. Tell us what you told them. Well, you know, it, it, trans youth are, are vulnerable, um, and they suffer significant harassment and bullying, uh, sometimes at schools or in their community. They have more mental health issues, but there's nothing inherent with being transgender or gender diverse, which would predispose youth to depression or anxiety. It is that harassment and bullying. Now they're suffering politically motivated attacks through state uh, actions against these vulnerable transgender youth. This is not based upon data. This is, these, are, these, are, these actions are politically motivated. And so we really want to, 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 to base our treatment and, and, uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports, and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. Wow. So this, I'm surprised more people are not talking about Wait, what? <laughs> well, I need a translator. I need an interpreter or translator because that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to start with you, Maverine. Is this about tolerance? Is this about you know, bringing this to the mainstream and being more tolerant to uh, the LGBTQ community? No, it's about pedophilia and child grooming. And we should be prepared because there is a media association they call Media Matters. And they've started a campaign going um, toward big tech and wanting big tech to censor people from using the word grooming wanting to be able to push us off of social media, et cetera. So it just, I think, strengthens our argument that this is all about grooming our children for perverse lifestyles by broken adults. But I do want to get back to tolerance because we've misused the word tolerant. Tolerance actually comes from a Greek word, and I'm going to try to pronounce it, but it's ehaho, ehaho. And that Greek word actually means to ignore to leave alone, to suffer. And so in the way that we have been ignorantly told to tolerate, they knew exactly what they were saying to us. We just didn't. They hitched it on the back of compassion. What they're telling us and demanding of us is that we ignore what they're doing to rape the bodies, minds, and souls of our children. And in Maryland, again, getting that back to why this election is so important, And if people make decisions based upon personality, 
then they will have to suffer the consequences for themselves, their children, and their grandchildren. In Maryland, House Bill 0746 is waiting to be signed. They introduced it. There was enough uproar pre-election time for them to pull it back. It was not defeated. It has been tabled and it's waiting for the Democrat majority if they get back into the House with a Democrat governor to be pushed down our throats. And it mandates gender affirming, what they call gender affirming treatment, gender affirming surgeries be paid for by taxpayers, be paid for for prison inmates, be paid for for illegal immigrants, and be made illegal for any entity that refuses to do so, even on religious grounds. HB 0746, those are the things that are waiting for us if we do not elect Republicans this time around. All right. Um, I want to move on to you, Shelley. Uh, again, Maverine brought up a very good point about mm -hmm. the left pushing these this ideology on our children, on our youth. What are your thoughts on this? This is about perversion. This is about lies. This is about confusion. This is about coming after our children. This is about destroying them, really. Destroying children, destroying innocence, and a whole web of lies that will set them up for disastrous consequences for the rest of their life. This is about the state thinking, believing that they own your children, that they own our children, that parents are basically irrelevant. Parents are basically only the birthing people, right? That, and then they belong to the state. We have got to wake up, stand up, and say, hell no. Not just no, not of this phony, this phony idea or their phony idea of tolerance and compassion. Compassion is about protecting innocent children. That's where compassion really should be going. Mm -hmm. I want to move to you, Yana. Uh, you just traveled overseas, actually, uh, to to eat to Europe, uh, to, to Eastern Europe. What? How is this affecting the world? Uh, with um, with America seemingly taking the lead uh, on this this gender transitioning, on this LGBT LGBTQ ideology, how is this affecting the world? Well, uh, first of all, I want to say to Mr. Levine that uh, putting on earrings doesn't make you a woman. He sounds like a woman. He, I mean, like a man. He look. Uh, he looks like a man. I mean, come on now. And for the rest of the, sorry. For for the rest of the world, when I traveled there, um, people are laughing at the United States, and it's sad. Uh, they're, they're laughing at Biden for uh, shaking hands with air. Uh, they're laughing at this whole transgender thing. And it, what this person, this Levine person doesn't care about the United States. He doesn't care about uh, making this country stronger. It's all they care about this ideology uh, to change, I don't know, the minds of, it's, it's a mental illness. And when he says um, that 
people of young people are vulnerable. That is true. They are vulnerable, and we need to protect them against people like Levine. Mm -hmm. I, I want to turn to you, T. I, I want to get your perspective as a parent because we've mentioned earlier in the show parents are going to be a crucial voting block in this election in November. What are your thoughts uh, and perspective as a parent on this type of, of, of language and, and policy? We lost team. Oh my, oh, I didn't even realize. Okay. <laughs> okay, um, Colleen. Oh, oh wait, there she is. Okay. Okay, yeah. is she back? Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, T. I'm about to mute my phone. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, uh, to get your your perspective as a parent on this ideology and these policies that are being pushed by this Biden administration, uh, we mentioned in the earlier part of the of the episode how parents are going to be so crucial. They're going to be a crucial voting block in November in the elections. What are your thoughts on this as a parent? As a parent, it's it's infuriating and it's it's sickening because. I feel like sometimes we, we don't have control because of society and what society is doing to our children, especially in the school system um, and, and making everything so open. My son, um, we were talking last week and he said that most of the girls in his school are gay and he's in middle school. He's going to ninth grade. And it's just, it's confusing to him. It's confusing to, to, our future because we want our children to procreate but now that they've confused the children so it's gonna it's slowing down that that um that that rate of procreation and i'm just like like i said i'm infuriated because as a parent like what do you do you, you don't want to keep your children locked up and in, in, in sheltered but this you have this this person who is who looks like a, a, a man and sounds like a man, but you know, he says he's a woman, <laughs> you know, like it's so delusional. I don't even understand how people are going for it. So yeah, I'm not surprised that people are laughing. And as a parent, it's like, I don't want to teach my children this delusion. Personally, I don't teach my children about Santa Claus and Easter bunnies and that type of thing because it's not real. And this is the same thing. This crap isn't real. And it's, and it's just, I don't even know what to say about it. Yeah, it's sad. And, and it's like you mentioned, it's becoming a fad. You know, when, when girls go through, uh, uh, you know, puberty and you go through that awkward stage. And so it's it's almost like this community, this LGBT community is like, look, you're you're not awkward. You're gay. You're binary. You're you're this. And, and we are seeing this in schools, in high schools, in middle schools across the country. You know, Even elementary yeah, particularly girls are all coming out gay. And, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Colleen. Well, before, and before Colleen, it's, it's like, I remember when we, I think we probably all had this tomboy phase. You know, if we were here in this day and age, oh, you're gay <laughs> because we had a tomboy phase. You're gay now. They just don't, don't allow us to develop in the way that we should. Yeah. And, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Colleen, as far as women. Uh, you know, we hear you heard what T said, and we do see this within the, the school system. A lot of these girls are coming out gay now. Well, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, I just think that 
being gay means you're special now. So I think that if you're LGBT, you get extra points and stuff. So that's why I feel like a lot of kids are identifying as LGBTQ because you get you get cool points for being a part of the club. Um, I mean, that a lot of detransitioners have said exactly that, that I wanted to put my pronouns in my bio. I wanted to, you know, have the, the, the basically virtue signal points. And also, I also want to remind everybody that Rachel Levine um, put COVID patients in nursing homes in the state of Pennsylvania, which led to a lot of deaths, and they lost that data. Um, she actually took her mother or his mother out of the home and still put COVID patients into the home, but spared his mother. So Rachel Levine is not only a pedophile groomer, but also a straight up murderer. I mean, we all knew that, you know, older people were at risk for dying of COVID. So anybody who put COVID patients in nursing homes, in my opinion, is a murderer. So worse than being a pedophile is a murderer, in my opinion. Well, I don't know. They're both pretty bad, but yeah. yeah. I want you guys to take a look at this clip. Take a look here. So, I mean, this this is crazy. Um, you know, at this headline, Maryland School District requires assisting ch child gender transition uh, and lying to parents. So uh, let me, I just have to say it's not just Montgomery County. This mm -hmm. also occurs in Howard County. Mm -hmm. It's likely occurring in Anne Arundel County, it's every county, because what they've done is written policies. In Howard County, the policy is policy 5000, and it has to do with, they, with, with what they call or term the health care services policy. Mm -hmm. But I sat in policy committees five years ago and listened and watched them prepare what they needed to do to support their transitioning to ostracize and hide it from their parents, to identify the child as whatever they determine that they want to be identified with inside of the school without advising the parents. And now what I've learned is that they've started to weaponize, as Shelly has said in previous shows, they've weaponized child protective services so that if parents raise objections or concerns or want to figure out why their five, six, seven, 10, 15 year old child who's always been okay, suddenly comes home and identifies as gender dysphoric, they identify those parents then as being a risk to the child. So this is not just Montgomery County. And I've become so frustrated because it feels like now for 10 years, I've been saying to parents, wake up. They have everything they need in place to take your children from you, to do whatever they want to do to them, and to make you think that it's still a great school system because Howard County gets voted best place to live. Right. So I, I want to move to you, Shelley. What do we do? This is open to everyone. What, mm -hmm. what can we do? Okay. So what I have been suggesting and encouraging, urging, particularly in the last two to three years, take your children, number one, out of public school. I don't care how much you have to sacrifice. Your children's lives, their minds are worth that sacrifice. Yes, you may have to rearrange some income, maybe your job, your lifestyle, but guess what? Your children deserve that. 
take them out of public school. Now, having said that, if you put them in a private school or homeschool them, but if a private school, you have to make sure that private school is, uh, I guess I would say on point, if you will, to, you know, to, to consolidate it. But first, take them out of the public school because where the money goes, these people will have more power. They want your children. Number three, in your household, you establish the rules. And sadly, part of this, part of this being a parent is that nowadays, particularly with people with younger kids, younger than mine, we may have to um, educate our children or, or bring to them issues that they would never have to have, at least not until later. So in some sense, as parents, we're going to have to break their innocence because they're going to be exposed to things that they're not ready to, to be. So we, we in, a, in that sense, it's going to put us in a little bit of awkward space, but we have to do that because now we have to prepare them for what they are going to experience and they will come as a total shock, totally unprepared if we don't do it at home. Maybe Maybe even before we would normally do it in later years. That's right. Yeah. Well, why? Why should we have to remove our children from schools that our tax dollars go towards? Why? Why would that? That's why. why. <laughs> that because is why. they have okay. their own agenda. It's T uh, touched on something interesting when she said that we want our kids to. Uh, procreate and we may not be able to they may not be able to do that and that made me think that that's the agenda mm. they do not they that. want to cut population yeah. and right. that is one of the uh methods that they're using is this gender it's ideology it's so cruel because you can't make these decisions so young like when i was a teenager and i was going through my weird phases and i was like tomboyish and stuff like you can't ask somebody that age if they're going to know if they're going to want kids when it's actually time because they'll take these medications thinking well i don't even really want kids so it doesn't really matter but that changes those things change especially as women we we have all sorts of feelings about children all through our lives so i don't think that i think that they downplay that so much the long-term effects they literally say there's nothing wrong and it's reversible and it's literally a lie it's well let's talk about that uh, let's talk about that because earlier this month the u.s food and drug administration added a warning to uh, these puberty blocker medications, specifically uh, one gonadotropin releasing hormone, uh, it basically indicating there were serious risks to youth. Uh, they identified yes. six cases in females between ages five and twelve, where this uh, this this puberty blocker causes something called intracranial hypertension, uh, where pressure inside their skulls spontaneously increases. Uh, brain swelling, causing severe headaches, nausea, double vision, even permanent vision loss. This is this is put out by the Mayo Clinic. So They're too I mean, young. Yeah, this these is children are too young for all these medications. They're too young to be even having to deal with these types of pressures. Um, not you're talking about brain pressure, but just pressure outside in schools and, and in society. They're too young to decide if they want to be a girl or a boy at twelve. But again, connect, but again, connect the dots. And this is why we need to get back to the establishment in politics, no matter their party. The FDA knew that those were issues during the testing phases for those drugs, right? Because we know now that they've been conducting these surgeries on children in well-funded children's hospitals. If you think about the children's hospitals in North Carolina and in California, et cetera. 
So only now does the FDA put on the black box warning because they know many more children are going to be receiving them secretively from these grooming pedophiles. And they ultimately do know that parents will fight back and will sue the pharmaceutical companies. So it's the connecting the dots. We keep looking at it from a one move on the chess on, or actually on the checkerboard, but they're actually playing Kasparov level chess and have been for 20 or 30 years. We have to catch up. And again, stay on point with this for this election. If anyone connected to Dan Cox's campaign is listening, you all need to stay on point and bring these things out and just keep pounding them with data and examples until we know that everyone understands that Democrats want pedophilia. They want infanticide up to two years old. They want parental rights taken. They want our children to become wards of the state. And at the same time, they want to make sure that they kill industry so that we can't work, take our vehicles from us if they're not a $60,000 electric car, and make us smile while they do it. There is no way that Democrats should win this election. And I'm, I'm going yes. to, I went over my time. I'm going to stop. <laughs> No, no, you right. Tag, tag Dan Cox right now. Tag Dan Cox or someone that's in his uh, on his campaign so that he can have uh, some eyes on what we're saying here because it's yeah. important. You're right. You're right. Well, on that note, we will move on to our next topic. But again, we have been talking about these issues for for the last two years. We have, and we will continue to talk about them. Um, this is what we do here at uh, Poppin' Politics, here at Metro Conservative Media. We talk about these issues because a lot of times they're censoring this information. They're censoring this. Uh, so you really have to look into it. You really have to dig. And that's why it's important for you to share this broadcast, like our page, Subscribe to us on social media. This grows our audience. And not only that, when we grow, you grow because you believe in this information too. And it's important. It's not only important to us, it's important to our children and their children. So please continue to like, subscribe, share this broadcast on your social media, send it in a message uh, on Facebook or send the YouTube uh, via the, the link on your in messaging on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. We have to get this out here uh, because guess what? This is what you do. I, remember I asked in the middle of the conversation, what do we do? We talk about it. We get it out there. We talk about it to our family who probably all Democrat. We talk about it on social media. We talk about it to our friends and we let them know, we have educated conversations about this and, and, and let them know. Because a lot of people, they just don't know. So um, moving right along uh, to our last topic of the night, T.D. Jakes. All right. So uh, T.D. Jakes, uh, if you guys haven't been watching, many Internet users have been sharing their disapproving opinions on T.D. Jakes' Father's Day sermon since clips of the message have recently circulated online. This happened on Father's Day. Now it's becoming... Uh, viral. Uh, the mega church pastor message argued today's women aren't applauded for embracing their femininity as society's culture now idolizes women being too independent. Take a look. 
This breaks all sociological order that the culture we're living in now. Because we are raising up women to be men. And you are not applauded for your femininity. You are applauded in the contemporary society by how tough, rough, nasty, mean, aggressive, hateful, possessive you are and you are climbing the corporate ladder, but we are losing our families. I know you can buy your own car. I know you can buy your own house. But until you create a need that I can pour into, I have no place in your life. So stop coming home bragging to me about how much you don't need me and wonder why I shy away. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk back to me this morning. So that, it, it was a phenomenal uh, sermon. I actually listened to the whole sermon last night titled Real Men Pour In. Uh, so it was an hour long sermon. Uh, currently on YouTube, it has over 620,000 views the last time I checked. So I want to I wanna open it up to you, ladies. Uh, I want to start off with you tonight, T, on this. What are your thoughts on what he said? Well, with that clip, of course, you know, I agree. Um, I've been saying all along that women are not accountable. They don't want to be held accountable for their own decisions. And that can be from the type of men that they choose to the type of, yeah, the type of men that they choose. And sometimes, um, you know, in, in the dating world here, I, I'm, I'm hearing that men don't care about what you do. They don't care about what you have. They just care about how you can partner with them. And many women are offended by that somehow because they feel like, oh, I got all this, this and that. And, you know, why don't you want to date me? And it's not quality women because the men don't want that. <laughs> and I think our, our grandmothers messed us up when they said to go and do what you got to do, get your own money and that type of thing, keep your own stash, because that put us in a mentality, oh, I got to get my own. But what he said, um, it's, it's, it's spot on. It's, I mean, even as a woman, um, trying to say the same thing to other women, they don't want to hear it. So I'm glad that now men are coming out saying it. Yeah, exactly. Now I want, I want to move to you, Shelly, because you, um, I know you had some comments about it. You watched it, you listened to the whole, uh, sermon and, and it had some really good, uh, comments, perspective on this. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I did listen to the whole sermon and I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was a beautiful message. Um, a couple of things that I noted was that some of the negative comments, I called them histrionics, the women being histrionical and <clears throat> you know, just acting out, not even hearing what he's saying. If you listen to that sermon and you walked away with, oh, he's just attacking women, you did not hear the message. The message was more about 
beautiful. I mean, having men be accountable, you know, offering a protecting, loving environment for women. And he talked about women being hurt and why they have responded negatively going into the world where they are really applauded for the wrong things and still losing their families. This misguided uh, perspective, these misguided uh, goals and losing their families in the process. And he, and he said the word, it, it goes against the whole sociological order of women being the nurturers, primarily so, men can nurture too, but primarily being the nurturers, primarily being the caretakers, and look where we are. I want to make a little segue here. We talked about the children and these, these perversions earlier. Look who, look at this. A lot of these people, men pretending to be women or women pretending to be men, a lot of these people that are messing up children, unfortunately, a lot of them are women. And women are, no, women are just all over the place nowadays. And our children are suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of the comments you mentioned, um, one, com one commenter uh, said, y'all still asking women to shrink still preaching to us as the problem and problem solvers, still shackling Miss Genoir to virtuous womanhood and calling it God's word. Uh, Thomas continued, y'all still preaching and singing about love, but not living or leaning into it for real. We still letting riffs, runs, and cadence tickle our emotions as the gift comes without repentance for folks really doing harm in Jesus' name. Uh, so that was that was one of the comments that were mentioned. What are your thoughts on this, Maverine, as far as that um, and the, some that, of these comments? That commenter didn't listen to the whole message, and that commenter is ignorant to what it means when uh, Scripture says that the gifts are irrevocable. So I'll, I'll leave that there. I won't go into a sermon. But T.D. Jakes spoke what is true. And for women who um, I think I might be the eldest amongst us ladies, um, for women who have lived long enough and made enough mistakes and can look at things hindsight, which is 2020, what he spoke is absolutely true. And we can look at that across our own families. We can look at that across ethnicities. It's not just limited to the African-American church or people, but he's speaking to us because that's who he sent to speak to. All of it goes back to what the father has done in the home and whether men have poured into their wives and their children so that when their wives and their children leave their home, they are healthy and whole. He was spot on. And I would love for young women to stop becoming defensive before they one, hear the entire message and two, before they stop and just assess, is what you're doing making you truly happy? Or is it just kind of, you know, the next time you buy your $5,000 Hermes, you're happy for that moment. And then you go home to a jacked up, empty bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I want to move to you, Colleen, because when you look at this, this message here and then you put it next to people like Meg Thee Stallion who her rap lyrics are all about, you know, um, being aggressive woman and getting your own. And, you know, it's not only just with relationships, just sexually too. Um, what are your thoughts on that? How, how, how can we, how, how can we uh, reconcile, you know, what he said and then what you have as far as, especially within the rap communities, female rappers? Well, I will say that um, when I was, Democrat, I listen to a lot more 
Meg the Stallion, Cardi B, and stuff like that. Now I can't even hardly listen to it. I mean, sometimes they have a really good beat and you can't help but listen to it, but now I can't stomach it anymore because just being surrounding yourself with that kind of negativity and that kind of mentality, I mean, these words, they do have an effect on you. Like you can act like it's just a song or whatever, but honestly, it does mess up your mentality. So um, when I would listen to that kind of music and stuff like that, you know, I was more, I was more towards leaning, being the bad bitch and, you know, I can do it all myself and I don't need a man, blah, blah, blah. Well, ever since I stopped listening to that kind of music and everything, I've been a lot happier. I'm in a great relationship. We've been very happy for four years. I mean, it's like, I don't, I really feel like they sell women lies. And I think that Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion sell fucking lies. Like I hate to even curse there, but they are lying to women by saying that they're so happy Offset cheats on Cardi B all the time. And doesn't it bother her? I mean, she's noticeably upset every time. So I don't, I, they're selling women lies and TD Jakes, he couldn't have been more right. So, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on this, uh, Yana, this, this idea that, that men pour in and he, and he talked about in the sermon, he, he mentioned it not only, uh, uh, he mentioned it physically. So he, it was men pour in literally, uh, and, and he, and men pour in, uh, not literally. So I want to get your thoughts on, on that idea of that and why that's needed within, uh, our, our relationships. Well, I think that the issue is not just with women. Uh, he has a good point about women and their behavior, but it's a holistic issue. And um, <clears throat> men are still, no matter what, are leaders and they set the stage for the society that we live in. And I have to say that I had felt the most feminine in places that are more patriarchal. For example, in Central Asia, uh, when I traveled there, uh, that is where men really treat women as women. So for example, if uh, we would, me and other females would enter a, a, a bus or a train, men get up immediately to have us you know, sit down. And um, so, and in America, I have not felt very feminine. I have not felt that, you know, from majority of men here, I have not felt uh, care. Uh, I have not felt like, like a woman uh, a lot of times. You know, I have, and because, I mean, and I'm not saying that we have to be put down, like, like we shouldn't be treated like we're not able to do things that men can do. Uh, but at the same time, it's also the the environment that the women are in in this country i think is not always conducive to us um feeling like we are protected and so i think it's also a message towards men and to, for them to uh set the stage uh, for the society for women and uh, women can do anything that they want but it's better when men are the leaders mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. kj i have a personal story just real quick can i say this of course so, uh, a former pastor he's deceased now i love this pastor he used to tell our congregation he used to say men if your marriage your household is falling apart you are the primary responsibility you're the one who's responsible for that 
he did not discount that women can mess up and just do wrong. He was not doing that. But he's ultimately making the point that men, the responsibility lies with you, your family, your marriage, your community, your children will go how you lead them, how you teach them, how you train them. Ultimately, you are responsible. And a, a lot of people, you know, didn't understand that. But it was such a beautiful message. Again, it was couched in the context of the biblical a role for men, but again, he drove that home to the men in our congregation at that time. Yeah, I think one thing that I did um, hear in the sermon last night, T.D. Um, Jakes mentioned, he talked about creation and how the first sin was Adam not pouring in. He listened to Eve. He was not taking the lead. Um, and, and, and everything starts with the father. It all starts with the father. Uh, so again, we, we are to be led by the men. Now that doesn't mean, you know, some women take it to the next step and say, oh, we're slaves or we're supposed to be um, not heard at all or anything like that. No, but we take our lead from our husbands, the men who, who are supposed to be led by God. And, and that's an important thing I don't hear spoken about you know, enough, especially in the Christian community, you know, because you have this, you know, men who especially like, you have these movements like with Kevin Samuels and things like that, where they talked about uh, men and, and, uh, and, and men getting kind of the raw end of the deal. But it's men who are led by God. And so um, I think we need to, you know, really hone in on that because a lot of people out here talking about uh, men's rights and, and, and things like that, which I agree with, but not all of them are led by God. And I don't think that's something, at least from a, a, a biblical perspective, that we should follow. Uh, man needs to be led by God, and then he leads the woman. Um, so you know, that's just something, and, and T.D. Jakes mentioned that last night in, in scripture also. And that's, that's where we all falling off. I mean, everybody's just being led by all this crazy stuff, this madness. It's all messed up just from the, from the very beginning. We're all going down the wrong road. And, and then now people are just trying to fix it in between when you need to go back and fix it from the head. <laughs> and that's, and that's what we've always done from the first pages of Genesis to the whole Bible. That's what human, the, the human flaw, our human nature, that's what we've always done. We mess it up. <laughs> I always say God gave us 10 commandments. We couldn't keep those. So what did man do? Man said, give him a thousand more. You think we're going to keep those? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And getting back to what we've been talking about in the schools and with the kids, just think about how warped their understanding is now what young ladies are learning or are not learning about their value and what their role is in family and society and what young men are not learning and what they're seeing modeled. Um, it's, it's something that good news, 10 years, one generation, one class, you know, if we start now and make a change with kindergartners who enter in 2022, we can really start to see some change for the kids coming out by the time those kindergartners are in 12th grade, but we have to take back all of those systems and structures that have been set up to, they, they hate God. I'm just going to put it out there. They hate everything that is biblically based. And to a certain extent, I don't know that those who believe 
the Bible have done a good job of representing our God well. But, and it still goes back to what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And when we get into moral relativism, we get into these things where someone like Mr. Levine is saying that little children should be empowered to take puberty blockers. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, we all, we've come full circle tonight. Um, So again, we are actually at the end of the show. We're at our time. So, uh, Great conversation tonight. I hope you guys who have been with us all night enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your comments. Let me just go through some of these uh, now. Let's see here. We have Dottie. Uh, she says, P.S. The high priest isn't the dictator, but he represents his family before God. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, we have here Agnes. Men cannot be the underling. They are the covering when God is his head. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we have here. Yes. He stepped out of order. He stepped out of order. Yeah. God being the Yeah, we yeah. have. Uh, they do hate God. They're starting to push Christian nationalism to vilify the right and Christians. Ooh, what's Christian nationalism? I'm not familiar we'll talk about with it later. Oh, KJ, you haven't heard of yeah, that? I'll talk about that later. We have to talk yeah. about that another time. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know about that. Okay. All right. So, again, we are at the end of our time. Uh, so, thank you so much for uh, sticking out, sticking with us tonight. Uh, again, uh, like, share, and subscribe to our social media. Uh, we are on everywhere. We're on uh, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and the notifications bell. Uh, that way you get up to the minute content when we post and we appreciate your support. We are an independent media and each time you subscribe, it helps make our voice that much stronger. We are a necessary voice in news and entertainment. Check us out on our website at www.metroconservativemedia.com. Oh, and I forgot to even mention, I'm not sure if we have the uh, the posting, but we are having a launch party. We are having a launch party for Metro Conservative Media uh, in September, September 17th. Uh, so check us out on our uh, Facebook, also on our website. You should find, uh, we put out a save the date this week. It's going to be a massive launch event. Uh, so if you are in Maryland, if you are in Baltimore, please stop by. More information to come on that. It's going to be a fabulous event. Great way to network, meet people. And um, and we just want to talk with everyone who has been supporting us over this last uh, year or so. We are really appreciative and thank you for, for all of your support. So stay tuned for more information on that. Um, again, we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, count your blessings and live a life of purpose. Good night. Good night. <laughs>